You're listening to the Borderlands Podcast. I'm Bethany. And I'm Eric. And we're so glad that you guys came back. Um, We just kind of wanted to remind you that if you haven't listened to our last episode, please go do that before you listen to this one. Um, Eric and I are talkers, and we talk so much that we figured, why not split this episode into two parts? Um, We don't normally do that, but we just really had a lot to say about this topic, um, and we still have more to say. So yes, yeah, we still do. Yeah, <laughs> if you haven't listened to, uh, like I said, the last podcast, definitely take a listen to that first. Um, because I I lied to you guys. I Un- uh, unintentionally. Yeah, that's true. It I told you all. If it's unintentional. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> I unintentionally lied. Yep, there it is. <laughs> um, but I said we were talking about my favorite subject, which is creativity. Um, we were talking about consumerism and creativity, and we never got to the creativity part. So. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and we did that because we, again, that's why we want you to listen to the episode right before this one. Right. Because we, we really did do our best to lay down a really strong base of mm-hmm. consumerism and why it's important to understand it. Yeah. The framework is there. Um, but now we kind of want to flip the script. So we have what consumerism is. We have how it affects us. Um, I hope you guys have been thinking about whether you're consuming or your consumers because I definitely have been (laughs) (laughs) um but now we want to we want to somehow tie in creativity and I know you're probably thinking how are we going to do that I think I also thought that before (laughs) before we outlined this episode but Eric you brought up a point that it made me really like ponder how I view creativity in my life once you said this wow that I mean, that's really building this up. Um, so before I, before I reveal my big secret, <laughs> yeah. um, here's an ad. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> Hello? No. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> Fresh. You'd love it. Um, no, there's, there's no ads here. Um, we're not consumers. No, I, I, creativity is something that I've pondered for a long time mm-hmm. and I really care a lot about. So we're going to be, we'll, we'll be talking about that this episode. So I'm not going to like skip into that yet. Yeah. Um, so just know that like this kind of statement, how we connect consumerism and creativity comes from a lot of that. Yeah. And how I really believe that creativity is the inverse of consuming. Okay. And, and I said that on purpose. It's not mm-hmm. the opposite. It's yeah. the inverse. Okay. So. And this is the phrase that got me. Like once you explained all this, I was like, yeah. So the, you are right. The inverse of consuming <laughs> is creating. So. A lot of people use the word inverse and opposite interchangeably, mm-hmm. and that's wrong. Sorry, it is. I'm just, it, it's I not. Get that, yeah. It's not correct. So the opposite of something, so the opposite of let's use our scenario. The opposite of consuming is not consuming. Right. So if I'm going to go and fish, the opposite of that is not I'm fishing. going to not go and fish. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Versus, and then the opposite of cre- creating is not creating. Mm-hmm. Okay, the opposite of I'm going to go paint. Now, what's the opposite of that? I'm not going to paint. Yeah. Okay. Those are opposites. Mm-hmm. The inverse is like it, it's a mathematical thing, and it like I, I can only think in spatial understanding sometimes. Okay. So I apologize. <laughs> I mean, that is hard for a podcast, you, but I get you're you. You're <laughs> not here seeing me put my hands in the air. Um, <laughs> so like the inverse of three is one third. Mm-hmm. So when you have math three, it's actually as a fraction, it's actually written three over one. 
I was told there'd be no math. (laughs) (laughs) Who told you that? (laughs) There's always that potential with me. Um, Three is three over one and the inverse is one over three. Mm -hmm. And they cancel each other out and make one. Yeah. Okay. So consuming, the reason why the inverse is creativity is because when we consume, we take what is out there and we ingest it into ourselves or we read it or watch it or eat it Mm -hmm. or whatever. The inverse of that is I'm going to create something that can be consumed. consumed. Right. So again, it's not the opposite. It's the inverse. So you're almost hopefully out of this consumeristic system, but you're moving from I'm consuming and I, I think of it as receiving almost. And I'm going around to the other side of this equation. And now I'm making and I'm putting something out there rather than just bringing something in. I'm sending something out. It's kind of like how we were talking about being consumers, like being like a cog in the machine kind of yeah. thing. But it's like now you're the machine. Yes. Like you are the creation. Yes. You know? Yeah. Hmm. Like I am I am doing something rather than I am receiving what's being done. Right. In, I like to write. Um, I, I've always enjoyed writing. Mm-hmm. My style of writing does not work with a lot of people who like grammar because I like to use a lot of passive terms. Mm. So in grammar, passive is like something is done to the subject of the sentence rather than like the subject is doing. Right. So I threw threw the ball. Mm -hmm. That's active. The ball was thrown by me. Mm -hmm. That's passive. Consuming is a very passive. I almost said process. It's not even a process. It's a very passive thing. Mm -hmm. I'm consuming. I'm not thinking about it. I'm just bringing it in. I'm just reading, watching, whatever, right. versus creating is a very active thing. Hmm. And, and that's why we're, we're, we're moving from just bringing into pouring out, mm-hmm. making, and we're going to dive into what that means. But that's how these two tie together because a lot of people live their lives consuming when we really believe, or we believe that God has really called people to live their lives creating yeah, and making. And so I feel like, Unlike consumerism, I think all of us know what creativity is. Maybe I shouldn't assume things. But for the most part, I feel like out of the two words, more people would know what creativity was. Yeah, I I would agree with that. But I know we kind of wanted to still define creativity. Because, like, let's just say I say, Eric, what does being creative mean? Like, maybe the first thing you would think of is probably something artistic. Stereotypically, I think of someone painting. And I don't, then that's not even me. I don't paint. Yeah, I don't paint either. <laughs> I'm not good at painting. But I looked up a definition. I did, I did Googling. I did the Google. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did the Google. Um, and I actually got the Oxford. Um, the what, Oxford definition? Definition. I kept wanting to say dictionary. And I was like, that is, that's, I just got, I got the Oxford dictionary. I got the dictionary, guys. <laughs> the definition um, this time, not from Investopedia, so. Sorry, (laughs) sorry, Investopedia. Um, But they said that creativity is to make something that is not currently present in a way that is unique to the one doing the creating. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. Oxford did that one right. I like that one. (laughs) That one's good. To make something that is not currently present in a way that is unique to the one doing the creating. Okay. I'm, I'm, I, I want to add something before we move forward with this. I want to mm-hmm. take this. Okay. Take this definition. Now do a mental 180. 
yeah. and look behind you. And <laughs> I actually looked behind me. No one, no <laughs> one knew. But nothing there. <laughs> um, and, and let's take this definition and look back at what we talked about just now, the last five minutes, but also last episode. Mm-hmm. And in our definition of consumerism, we talked about um, increasing the consumption of goods and services purchased in the market is always a desirable goal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so purchase in the market, and that a person's well-being and happiness depend fundamentally on obtaining consumer goods and material possessions. The three things I highlighted, market, consumer, material, none of those are unique to the buyer. No. I I, I know some people that have, you know, one-of-a-kind things. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, if someone sells a one-of-a-kind thing, it costs way more than anyone can afford to pay for it. Right. It's like, it's a one-of-one. One. It costs $65,000. But it's a t-shirt. It's one of one. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so most of I most of anything I have is in some sense mass produced. Mm-hmm. It, it Maybe it's a small batch. Yeah. Like I actually just bought a pair of workout shoes. Um, or I, I had to get them for Christmas, but I had to take them back and get different ones. Anyway, I got them. <laughs> and the reason I've waited so long is because they sell them in small batches. Mm-hmm. So once they're gone, they're gone. Which is really cool in one sense, but the consumer in me is like, what the heck? I have to wait for these shoes? Yeah. There's no shoes in my size. Or I have to hurry up and buy them before they're gone because I need them. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Not I, saying that was your thinking. I'm just saying It like, wasn't a need, but I did stay up and buy them at midnight when they released because I didn't want them to run out. Right. And it is it is this piece that like either way... My point is it's not unique to me, mm-hmm. whether it's the small batch that like the market was created by this tactic of, hey, here's a small batch. You have to stay up to midnight to buy them. Otherwise, we're going to run out. Mm-hmm. Or you can buy this at any Walmart in the United States and they're all going to look exactly the same. There is no uniqueness. There, there's nothing specific to the buyer. Mm-hmm. It's all in mass. Yeah. And I, I think that's important to remember. It's, I really, like I said earlier, I never thought about consuming and creativity, like how they would go together. But then when we're talking about this, like even when we were talking last episode about how it used to be like someone would handcraft your shoes. Yeah. And then it went to like an assembly line. Mm-hmm. Like there was artistry there. There was creativity there. Yeah. And then it became all about efficiency and less about, you know, the emotion or the person and more about how quickly we can sell something and how quickly we can make money and how quickly this can be done. It takes away the art, the uniqueness. 100%. Yeah. I I read, I haven't finished it, but I started a book by an artist named Makoto Fujimura. Oh. Um, He's like an actual artist. Okay, Mm -hmm. so... He is the stereotype of like paint. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's, paint. That, he's that kind of artist. It um, reminds me of like our first episode. And I was like, is there an expert on paint? <laughs> this guy. It's like the most random. <laughs> um, and it, it's so cool to me because when I, when I see art like that, like I really do enjoy it. I like, mo- I like modern art. I love an art museum. That's my favorite thing to do. But what was, <laughs> what was interesting about this guy was he didn't just make things. 
Mm-hmm. He also made his materials. Really? So if he was doing, it wouldn't be called a painting, but if he was making you know something on canvas, mm-hmm. he also would make what he put on that canvas. Hmm. And so there's this whole process to him that like, because as I'm seeing it, I'm like, okay, this is like really interesting, but like, couldn't anybody do that? Mm-hmm. Like, couldn't anyone throw something on a canvas and say, this is art? Well, there's so much more to that because he didn't just take paint that he bought at Kroger or whatever art store you would have and like use it. He like got material from the earth and like mm-hmm. ground his colors into a paste yeah. and he like made it look exactly the right shade of whatever color. And he, I, I don't remember exactly in the book, um, but he talked about how he had something and it took him like one or two months to make this material to wow. put on his canvas. And I don't, it, it was just amazing to me. Um, he wrote a book called Art and Faith where he talks hmm. about it. That's what it's called. That's really cool. And I don't that that concept of it being unique mm-hmm. is just so cool to me. Yeah. And that we're, when we buy stuff, we don't ever think about that. We think about what's the coolest, mm-hmm. which again, that's tied into the consumers and mindset of cool is relative to the populace. It's what everyone's wearing or a select few are wearing or have or mm-hmm. do or whatever, rather than, no, I, I'm going to make this from me. Mm-hmm. And th- this is going to start here instead of end here. Yeah. Well, when I thought about this too, I mean, consumerism is based on, I need to make money. I need to sell. I right. need to have success. I need the biggest house, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Right. But with, when it comes to creativity, that's not the goal. Right. The goal is different. It's not money or success driven. And so when you let go of that goal, I feel like it's letting go of that fear of like, well, what if I fail? Like, what if this oh, product yeah. doesn't make any money? What if I don't have success? What if I don't have the biggest and newest thing? What if I'm just creating to create and that's enough? That is a new paradigm. Mm-hmm. And from my from my experience, paradigms are always terrifying to change. Yeah, hundred percent. And like I, I've I've really seen in myself recently how much my talents or my abilities, even my ability to create, was always taught to be tied to something marketable mm-hmm. and sellable. Like I'm a writer. I could write a book that could sell. Right. I could make a podcast that could make us money. Mm-hmm. I could design something that can become a thriving business instead of I made this and it looks great. Yeah. I wrote this and it's it's beautiful. This is the That's not, it's not a dumb example. I just I'm kind of embarrassed by it. I'll okay. admit that. I'm okay. I'm a little embarrassed by this. I wanted to start a blog. Okay. I've been wanting to start a blog. Mm-hmm. Um I went to school for journalism. I think we talked about that a few episodes ago. I was waiting for you to say I went to school for blogging. <laughs> for blogging. I did take a blogging class. but <laughs> majored in blogging. Um, but, you know, I, I went to school for journalism. And so I've always loved writing. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard for me to say, like, I'm a writer because sometimes I don't feel that way. But, you know, I'm a <laughs> yeah. writer. Um, so I've been wanting to start a blog for a while. And 
about a year and a half ago, I wrote my first blog post mm-hmm. for this blog. And I wrote a second one. And I never posted the second one. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, I don't like this. I don't think anyone will like it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to post it. So then the other day, I was going through my Google Docs, you know, as one does. Average things. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and I saw this post and I was like, oh, wow. I, I, you know, I forgot I'd written this. And so I read through it and I was like, wow, that was really like heartfelt and honest. Mm. And like, I was like weirdly like proud of like year yeah. and a half ago, Bethany, for like yeah. writing that, you know. And I was like, it's wild to me, though, that I didn't post it because I thought no one will like it. That's what mattered to me. Yeah. I didn't want to just post it because I was like, you know what? I wrote this and I'm proud of it and I created it and it's it's from the heart and it's from me and that's enough. But instead, I was like, I don't think people will like it. <laughs> hmm. I, I think, I mean, you make the point. I mean, you're talking about fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And I think when we move out of a year and a half ago, Bethany, mm-hmm. and most of us now, yeah, you know, it's you know, creativity is for someone else to read or someone else to buy or someone else to experience. Right. When we move out of that into just like the beauty of creativity and how like we're called to just do that, fear moves from like I failed because no one watches or buys into I failed because I didn't create. Mm-hmm. I didn't pour out of myself. Yeah, I don't want to create something just to be consumed. Right. Like I want to create something that I know is worthwhile and heartfelt Mm -hmm. and like emotion filled and honest, Mm -hmm. you know, even if it's like what, like it doesn't have to be, you don't have to write a blog post. You don't have to paint a painting, like whatever you do. Cause sometimes people are like, well, I'm not creative. We're all creative. All of us. Every single one. Yeah. When, when we limit ourselves to, oh, well, you know, I can't draw or, <laughs> you know, or like I, I don't see colors and mix them well like you do, yeah. or I don't write poetry like you, like we're limiting ourselves. Yeah. Okay. You. G- Sorry, I'm skipping around. No, you're but- <laughs> doing great. I, I, I love this because I think when you look at semantics, every mm-hmm. episode, this is amazing. When you look at the definition from Oxford closely- It says to make something that is not currently present in a way that is unique to the one doing the creating. They didn't say a product. Mm -hmm. It's something that's not present. Maybe that's an environment, a a loving space for certain people to come and like feel loved. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. a new relationship. Maybe that is a safe home. Maybe that's a beautiful home. Maybe that's a family. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're called to create a, a beautiful, safe space for your kids. I know some people have like leaned into that. Like, I love this. I feel God here. Yeah. As a parent. It, it doesn't have to be. It can be, but it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a thing. Yeah. You know what I just realized too? It says to make something that is not currently present in a way that is unique to the one doing the creating. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be making this unique thing. Because that is another thing I do. When I'm like, I'll write something. You, you guys are just getting a brief glimpse into my mind right now. I'll write something and be like, someone else has probably written this before. Someone else has yeah. probably said this before. It's not unique. Mm-hmm. It's unique to me. Yeah. It's unique to the person. Hmm. 
Okay, so you said this. I, I just watched a, a glimpse into me. <laughs> I, I like to connect things with stuff that I've not watched all of. I've watched one episode of the show and I started the second one, but it's called Chef's Table mm-hmm. Barbecue. Okay, so there's two of them. There's Chef's Table, which has been around for a long time. And I don't know when the se- this second series came out, um, but it's where they go around and as you can imagine, they go to the chef's table. Oh, and nice. This one's barbecue <laughs> focused. So oh. all these people make barbecue. Wow. Which is the thing I'm really into right now. I like to grill. I like mm-hmm. to smoke meat. And I'm trying to get better at it. So it's really fascinating to me. In the first episode of the show, they go to Snow's Barbecue in Lexington, Texas. Oh. Not Kentucky. I was going to say Kentucky? <laughs> Lexington, Texas. And they talk about you know what they make and how they make it. Mm-hmm. And the he was an author for i think it was just like texas monthly or it was you know the magazine that named the top barbecue place in texas oh okay so he was not affiliated with the show or was he affiliated with the restaurant Mm -hmm. he was a writer you know someone who was a food critic or whatever eric just pointed to me and that just like made me feel nice she's a writer (laughs) one of her kind (laughs) Um, and and he talked about he's like in Texas barbecue, especially in he's you know alluring or alluding to a place like Snow's, he's like mm-hmm. it's not about having the secret sauce or the special recipe. It, it's not about that. And they cut to the woman who is the head pitmaster is mm-hmm. the, is the term. So chef is in a restaurant, pitmaster is in barbecue is a barbecue place, <laughs> uh, which is it's like in an old mill. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's not like it, it's not what you would expect, but. And this woman, her name is Tootsie. She's, oh, Tootsie. She's 85. Oh, I love her already. <laughs> and she cooks over like, an, like it's flame. Okay. So she's mm-hmm. like, there's this big fire pit on one side and she'll like shovel coals from it and walk it to where the food goes. 85. And she's 85. Wow. And, Good and a guy, for you, Tootsie. Right. A guy was like, this is a really hard job for a 35 year old person. Mm-hmm. And she's like in her mid eighties. Wow. And she was like, so brisket is like the top shelf of you know barbecue like the best barbecue joints make the best brisket okay great because okay. i was like i know nothing about barbecue which is fine <laughs> so like they make other stuff but like how's the brisket you know mm-hmm. that that's kind of the question and she's like there's nothing special um our brisket is seasoned with salt and pepper she's like i couldn't tell you what temp i smoke it at because i put my hand on the grill to mm-hmm. see how hot it is and there's no timer when they go to take it out they like feel it yeah. And if it feels right, they take it out. If it's not, they put it back in. And it just is so amazing to me because, it, and they kind of cut back, or they do cut back to this writer. And he's like, yeah, Texas barbecue, it's not about the recipe. Mm-hmm. It's about the pit master. Mm-hmm. They'll, t- they'll tell you everything they do down to the number yeah. and then just look at you. Cause it's not about having the recipe. It's about the pit master being able to do whatever they do as well as they can like do Like if it. you try to make that brisket, it's not going to taste like how Tootsie made it. Oh, heck no. There's <laughs> no way. Especially not before I'm 80. Right. Or whatever. <laughs> and, and like that's what, I mean, that's exactly what you were saying. Like it's about, like I made a brisket. Mm-hmm. I, I've made one. It was really small. Um, I made it. It was good. But. Wasn't Tootsie good. It, it wasn't. <laughs> but I, I think that's the whole point. She's. You know, she's not making something that's new. She wasn't mm-hmm. the first person to say, hey, we should take this cut of the cow and cook it. Right. And cook it over smoke and then serve it. But the way she makes it is unique. There's artistry right. in that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, in, in the same way, like I'm I'm learning. 
and I'm I'm not I'm not there just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but like again, I I made something. Yeah, I I tried it. It was good, and, and I I just really want to like push home the point that just like consumerism is about the thing, creativity is about the person. Mm-hmm. Creativity is about people. Consumerism is about things. Creativity is about people. Yeah, and that is that is just core to mm-hmm. all of this. It reminded me of, I once read this thing on Twitter, actually, place Eric hates. Um, <laughs> a little too much. <laughs> um, but it was like a tweet or something like that that said, what if we all had small superpowers, but they were just so like minuscule or so like normal that we just accepted them as like life. Hmm. So like, I'm just really good at opening pickle jars or something like what that. A skill. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I've never had to struggle to open a jar or something like that. That's not actually true. I, oh, I struggled to open like, jars. That's just an example. But yeah. like we all have unique things to us that make us who we are, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And sometimes I feel like those aren't celebrated enough. I, we've talked about it before, you know, some we mostly talked about like religious purposes and things like that, how right. some are more elevated than others. But like we all have special things about us that mm. maybe aren't seen as profitable or marketable, but they're still good things. They're still creative things. Yeah. We don't have to make everything marketable. Yeah. And oh, we could end there. <laughs> like just write that down. Put it in your phone. Screenshot the timestamp of this podcast. Whatever. <laughs> we're all called to create where we are. Mm-hmm. And if we're so focused on the money, we'll probably never create. Yeah. But also if we're so focused on the money, we'll never see Jesus in both the creating and the call to create. Yeah. So I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor at heart. And... Being a pastor is, I, I would honestly, I would say like a lot of other, like many other things in life, it's a heart posture more than a role. Mm-hmm. And I, I am called to be a pastor. So I want to creatively figure out and execute how mm-hmm. to pastor people in my context. Mm-hmm. No one, and so this is not a boast because you can say the same thing about yourself. Okay, so what I'm about to say after you hear it, put yourself in your context and do the same thing. Okay. No one else has lived in Southgate, Michigan in 2022, having been raised just south of Indianapolis, having gone to school at Taylor University, having lived in the city of Southgate where I have in my home with the experiences I've done, surrounded by the people I've been surrounded by, and having done what I've done with my time in my life. Yeah. No one else has done that. That's not boastful. We are all not unique. All. That was a lot of just statement of fact. Yeah. But with that uniqueness, I bring, just like Bethany brings mm-hmm. and you bring, a different perspective to everything. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes your perspective doesn't need to be heard because you've, <laughs> you've not brought enough. Yeah. Just like sometimes I just need to shut my mouth. <laughs> but in, especially in my areas where I am called to create, I could say, well, someone else has a bigger church or they have a, you know, a healthier church, so I'm just going to do what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can learn from them, but to just 
punt on creativity forgets the fact that they weren't here. They aren't here. Mm -hmm. You know, whoever I see on Instagram or on Facebook and Twitter or on the bookshelves in Barnes and Noble or. They don't have what you have. They don't have what I have. Yeah. They don't have what I have. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe there's some things that (laughs) I still need to add Mm -hmm. and that's fine, but they don't have what I have. They don't have what you have. They don't have what Bethany has. Right. And so to, to limit ourselves because of that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I want to, I want to expand a little bit too on what you said earlier when you said, you know, if it's just all about the money, then we've kind of, we've lost the plot a little bit. It's also not all about like the admiration or the success Mm. Yeah. or, you know, I don't know, fill in whatever you want in the blank. Like I was saying, I didn't want to post that blog post because I didn't think people would like it. It's not about what others think of what you're creating. Now, you're definitely going to want to take people into account, especially like when you're in like a ministry, you know, side of things. But if you're so afraid of putting something out there because it's not going to fulfill what you think it's going to fulfill, then... You've still missed it too. It's not just about money, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would. So I was, I am grateful. Uh, there's someone that, I, I, he's a friend. Mm-hmm. I consider him a mentor um, that I, I get to interact with often. And he is a creative, like mm-hmm. through and through. Okay. And you know his church is all about creativity. He loves it. I, I was talking to him about some things, you know, in my life. I'm like, I don't know if I should do these, pursue this or that, whatever. And he said, you know, when you create something, mm-hmm. you really create it when you just feel like you can't keep it in. Mm, and it, I it, love it, that. It just keeps coming back to you. Yeah. Like, I, I've got to do this or I've got to make this or I've got to say this. And because it's coming from the heart. Exactly. That's the whole point. Because I can think of 600 ideas right now of things that I could make and do to make money. Mm-hmm. that I could market and I could sell and someone could consume. But there's not that many things. There's really not that many things that I would say, I just have to do this. Mm-hmm. I just have to say this and I have to share it and I have to go create this. It's a difference between like obligation or like passion, I feel mm. like. Mm. You know? Yes. Yeah. If I'm really passionate about something, I can't hold it in. I have to do it. I have to say it. There's emotion behind it. And, and I think there's emotion behind it because of, you know, I, I'm going to call it a long lost piece of both Christianity and humanity. Mm-hmm. I love the sweeping statements. They're going to get me in trouble one day, but not <laughs> yet. <right? laughs> not yet. <sighs> um, and that's the reality and necessity of beauty in life. Mm-hmm. If you, so... I'm an observant person, but like <laughs> a weird way, like you are. <laughs> not in a creepy way, but like, I just like notice so much mm-hmm. and I just, I try to make as many connections as I possibly can. And like, so like, I know the length of stoplights and how long it's going to take me to get places. And the funniest thing is Eric and I have literally had this conversation like multiple times. Oh, I so- think about the length of stoplights. <laughs> Well, it's the most efficient way to get from A to B. <laughs> like if I go 47 here and then 30 there, mm-hmm. I can. But <laughs> if you go and notice, like look at what buildings look like mm-hmm. in a, your era is what I would call it. So buildings built 
you know, since you've been alive and then look at buildings in previous generations, there was a distinct shift in buildings. And I know this sounds like a weird tangent, but I promise it's not. There's a distinct shift in what buildings look like when things started to become consumable. So if you go to downtown Detroit, look at some of the buildings there. Look how, look at the Fisher building. Hmm. Look how beautiful that building is. Yeah. And then you look at like your local Kroger, <laughs> which I know maybe you should. Different, different purposes. Yeah. But I see where you're going. Well, yeah. I mean, so an easy example is you can look at churches and. Oh, that too. Um, so I, I learned this not recently, but I learned this from someone. When you go into like a cathedral, mm-hmm. so a lot of cathedrals, they have, you know, the big ceilings, but they have like the pews or chairs, you know, then there's like a stage and then there's usually like art or stained glass or something that goes really, really tall. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the term for it. Okay. But the, I believe the Latin term for whatever that is mm-hmm. means vertical worship. Oh, which is super cool. I love that. And then compare it to the typical church building. Like, so I'm not talking about like, so we we're in a, an old school building, our churches. Mm-hmm. And I like any church, not like to keep ours out of it, but like we kind of took a different route and we're like restoring something that was falling apart. Yeah. Okay. So that's a whole different story. I do think there's a lot of creativity in this, but think of like new builds. Okay. Churches and buildings that have been built in the last 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. They're very efficient Yeah. and boxy Mm -hmm. and they look like a consumer good. Yeah. And it's this change and we kind of miss out. We we're so focused on creating to consume or just consuming in itself that we forget that just like we're made to create, we're made to appreciate beauty. Yeah. The Lord was creative. Oh yes. Like God was creative when he made the universe, when he made us. Yeah. There are so many things that were made that, I mean, there was no reason to make such a beautiful sunset or like a sun, like, you know, when you see a beautiful sunset, you're not thinking like, oh, that's how earth is sustained from that. You know, (laughs) like the Lord made so many things in this life that are beautiful and maybe not super purposeful. Yeah. Oh, okay. That like that. Say that again. (laughs) Just say that again. (laughs) The Lord made so many beautiful things and they don't have to be purposeful. They're not. Some of them aren't. <laughs> this is the core of the truth of creativity. Mm-hmm. Like that something doesn't have to have a purpose to be of value. Yeah. And too often we forget the value of beauty. And, and this is why you know, stereotypical artists are often kind of on the fringes of society mm. because they aren't trying to make things that are productive or useful or have any utility. They're trying just to make beauty. Yeah. But when we can bring that in and recognize God made beauty, mm-hmm. like if this, like it happens for me, but like if you think about like one of the most beautiful things you've seen in life, I would. I would probably bet a lot of money that it's likely, you know, nine times out of 10, something that 
man didn't create or a woman didn't create. Can I tell you what mine is? Sure. Okay. Um, this is going to be the most pretentious thing I've ever said on this podcast, which is saying a lot. Um, but the most beautiful thing I have ever seen was Switzerland in the snow. Mm. And if you guys know me, I hate snow. <laughs> she hates um, snow. I hate the winter. Um, but looking at the trees and the mountains covered in snow. Mm. Yes. Was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Mm. Not man-made. Not even close. No. I think I'd say uh, some people, they make the dichotomy, m- mountains or ocean. Mm-hmm. Depends on the day. Yeah, true. <laughs> I, I I love the beauty of the vastness of the ocean and how it, it, it makes me feel appropriately small. Mm. And, and I love the, the wide open skies and the majestic terrain of a mountain mm-hmm. and knowing how much I love those things. There's nothing I can do with it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a painter. I can't go paint it. Yeah. I can't box it up and sell it to someone. You try to take a picture, but it doesn't do it justice. No way. No, <laughs> no, it's, it isn't, but it's almost a waste of a picture. Yeah. It's like, I just, this just reminds me that I want to go back and see it. Mm-hmm. All you can do is appreciate it. All you can do is appreciate it. All you can do is say, this made my life better. Yeah. And I, I think when we when we accept that and believe that, we can begin to kind of shed the scales of efficiency and marketability and advertising and consuming and selling and money making and people liking or disliking and we can get into I'm going to create and I'm going to make something that's just beautiful and yeah. it may, it may, maybe it's something as simple as I'm going to make a beautiful wonderful delicious meal for my family of five mm-hmm. or family of two right like it, it I, I, I don't want us to get all the way to the end of this and then be like okay now go make the next Picasso no yeah that that's that's still not the point Creativity can be simple. It often is. Yeah. Hmm. I want to talk more about this personally. <laughs> okay. I did tell you guys that was my favorite topic. Yeah. Um, but I think <laughs> we might be running a little long again. <laughs> what do you think? J- just a bit. Now, I do know our, our next episode, we want to get practical on this. Yes. Okay. So, so we want to, we, we've been very conceptual these last two episodes. Mm-hmm. Great. As you can see, we love the conceptual discussion. Our next episode, we're going to go into like, not just what does it mean? Cause we're kind of in the, what's it mean right now, but how do I live creatively in my day to day? Cause you could say, Eric, that's great. My boss hates creativity. I work in a cubicle or I try to be creative, but my kids get sticky on everything and <laughs> I just can't do it. Or like my life looks the same. I work a nine to five. Yeah. I go home. I eat dinner. I watch an episode of Netflix and then I go to bed. Like there's no, you know, uniqueness in my day. It's all the same. But like the Lord made us to be creative and we can be creative in any place that we're in. Yeah. So we're, we're going to touch on that. Um, I think I just want to wrap up Bethany mm-hmm. and, and remind all of our listeners that you have value. Mm. 
we're, we're talking about creativity, but we can talk about creativity, A, because our God is creative. Yeah. And when he created something, he gave value to it. Mm-hmm. Whether it be for a purpose or for beauty or both. And he created you and he gave you value. Yeah. So what you create has value. And your value does not come from what you have. Your nope. value comes from who you are. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about the cycle of grace a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. We, you don't create to get your value. God has given you your value and that allows and you, you to lo- create. Yep. You know, it, it can be that outpouring. Mm-hmm. So don't listen to all of this and then think, well, that's great for someone else. Like, th- like this is for you. It's for you. Yeah. And we know that I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting in a room with just Bethany. <laughs> no one is currently listening to us talk. This is a recording. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm intentionally using the broadest term I can. It's for you. Because too many people have said, you need to be a cog in our system. You need to buy what we're selling you. You need to have what we are telling you to have. Or you need to make yourself profitable. You're only worth what you can do. You need to be who we say you are going to be. Mm -hmm. When Jesus is here saying, I made you and I love you. You are beautiful. Mm -hmm. You are worth loving and what you make has value because it came from you. Mm-hmm. It's unique to the person doing the creating. Oh. Okay, I'll, I'll end with this. If you've ever seen something that you thought was amazing or beautiful, so utility, no utility, whatever, it just kind of gave you some awe. you often turned and looked at the creator of that thing, whether physically or just kind of in your heart. Like mm-hmm. the iPhone's amazing. Steve Jobs was really cool. He did a lot of great things. This painting is awesome. What an incredible painter. You are the Lord's painting. Mm. So the value of the creator is now on you too. Yeah. And when you create something beautiful, it's not a selfish act. It's not something that says, well, God's not good enough. I need to make something better. It's, my God created me and whatever I create is going to turn and give him glory mm-hmm. and give him value because I am his son or I am his daughter. Yeah. Creativity is for you because you have value. Yeah. Lots of it. Yeah. We hope uh, that you guys, we always say take it with you, but like really sit with that because we can say it, but, for you to believe it is a whole other thing. So Yeah, and it may be a process. Yeah. Let it be a process. Definitely. If this is something that's really hitting you, or even kind of hitting you, share it with someone. Mm-hmm. Ask them a question. You don't even have to go with a statement. Just say, hey, what do you think about this? And see what they say. Yeah, this was a good one. Yeah. We, we love creativity. Um, subscribe, like, share. Do all the fun podcast things. <laughs> Uh, if you really like this, you know, tell someone about it. Say, hey, you should listen to this. Send them the link. I, I know smartphones can share podcasts and everything now. Um, but do that. Um, thanks for being a part of something we are creating. Yeah. We, we love this. We love this environment. And we love being able to interact with you guys. So 
Thank you for being a part. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Talk to you guys next time.